Kura, this program is brought to you by Wellington Access Radio. Wellington Access Radio, make your voice heard. Wellington Access Radio 106.1 FM, and this is B-Side Stories, stories of the people who make Wellington tick. Kiora, I am your host, Laura Kewan, and I'm turning over to my co-host, Sadie, for the second half. Hello. Um, today, I've got with me Tim Foote, who's a mediator and facilitator. Um, as I was saying earlier on, I came across Tim when he was running a free workshop at the Newtown Community Centre, which I didn't go to. But I like the sound of it. <laughs> um, yeah, I thought it was quite fortuitous that I got to come on directly after the Newtown Community uh, Centre That's people. right, yeah. It's yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so wonderful. Everything is linked. Yeah. So that one was on transforming conflict, wasn't it? Mm. Um, and last year, Tim set up an organisation called Reframe Aotearoa mm. to provide affordable support around conflict resolution. Um, so... I guess that's a good place to start, if you can fill me in on what Reframe does. So Reframe is, it's a a couple of things, but two main things. First one is affordable skills and for people in community who are interested in, who are experiencing conflict. So I suppose we all experience conflict on some level in our lives, in communities, in our families and social systems. And I guess it's a way of taking those skills out of spaces where they currently are, which is in, say, mediation programs, which are quite expensive, um, other professional skills programs, which are really quite inaccessible and actually making them accessible for people. So that's kind of the, the, that's the workshops that you saw, which was kind of the start of that work. It's all still kind of in building, you know. Um, But those, those workshops are part of that. And then the other part of it is the services themselves. So that's like facilitation, mediation, Something like conflict coaching, which not many people have heard of, but there's a lot of that going on around the place. Um, Basically, different sizes and shapes of support for people in conflict to help them make decisions and work out how to to work with things and take charge. Would you take a different approach depending on what sort of conflict it was? Like, would you suggest the sort of approach to take? Or does someone come along and say, I want conflict coaching? (laughs) some people do, but that's because they've been referred specifically to that service. Sure. Yeah. But yeah, so I would first of all just ask someone what's going on. It's mm. always the first question is, oh, so where did everything start or what's going on for you? And then find out what's happening from there. And then um, it really depends. You know, a lot of issues are organizational issues. Um and then they can afford, obviously, to fund that. But then, of course, different organisations have different levels of funding and access to, uh, I guess, access to funding, awareness of things like this. You know, some organisations are so small they don't have a HR person. Mm. Um, and a HR person might be the person who knows what mediation or facilitation looks like, but then the rest of the team might not have access to that. Okay, yeah. so you You've got a bit of a special interest in some of those smaller organisations and not-for-profit organisations. Yeah, I guess that's what Reframe specifically... That's kind of the purpose of Reframe is to do the stuff that I've been doing for quite a few years and a lot of other people are doing but in more corporate spaces and take it out of the corporate space and make it accessible to community, to not-for-profits, um, you know, NGOs, small community organisations and even small business as well, people who probably can't afford this stuff otherwise, but are dealing with conflict. We all deal with conflict. So, so what about individuals? Can they come and see you? Yeah, of course. Yeah. 
Yeah, <clears throat> my first role after I finished my master's a few years ago was for a community dispute resolution centre in Brisbane. And that was a free service. And I just wish we had something like that here. You know, that's kind of, I guess, part of the vision of this is to be able to take things like, you know, the funding that I, I get for Reframe, some of that comes from the work that I do outside of that space of affordability where I take, I'm doing this professional work for corporate or for government, but then I take a chunk of that work because it's coming through Reframe and I keep it so that then I can do affordable work. So it's that same, I guess it's that same kind of principle, yeah. Right. Yeah. And, yeah, you would hope that some funding would come through for those organisations eventually. For sure. <laughs> and it, it, it is out there. It's just, you know, I guess that's the journey of a social enterprise as well mm. is that when you're starting off and you, I guess for me I kind of went, I've got this idea, I think I know how to do it, I'm not sure exactly what shape it will take, but I'm just going to try. Right. Yeah. So your master's was in conflict resolution mm. in Australia. Mm. So what drew you into that area? What interests you about conflict? <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's a really good question. Um, about, oh God. So I was, the first time I started studying conflict, I guess, and that's kind of where this journey begins, was in my undergrad. I did a Bachelor of Arts um, and that was in Islamic studies and peace and conflict studies. And I chose those masters, those, those majors because I, I didn't really know what to study. I'd chosen a bunch of different things, finished those things, went, well, this isn't the right fit. I chose Russian and sociology, just so you know. Okay. <laughs> went, I don't really want to learn Russian properly. As your but, majors. Yeah, they right. started as that. <laughs> and I went, you know what, this probably isn't. Long term, I, I just passed Russian one semester, got a, you know, just, just passed. I really enjoyed Russian literature, but the Russian language not so much. And um, went, okay, so what don't I know about that I feel like I should know about? Mm. And I grew up in a very religious family, so I was really interested in religion, not so much Christianity, because I felt like I knew a lot about that already. But everything, that was eight, nine years ago, everything seemed to be about Islam and conflict. And I thought, and this is in Australia too, where it's much more prominent than it is here. And I just thought, I need to know about this. This is this is something. And then I started down that path, and yeah, that's kind of how we ended up. Right. Doing this. Oh, that's yeah. interesting. So it was really responding to what was going on in the world at the time. Yeah, and I think growing up in a family that was always very outward looking as well, that again was a way for me to, I guess, bring together my identity. Um, I guess what, what I'd grown up with, you know, missionary parents, very much them going out and, and sharing their, their beliefs and me having different beliefs, but also seeing, still having that kind of urge. Mm, to you go know? help people. Or... Yeah, 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 totally. Yeah. And when you're in your early 20s and you sort of just want to change the world and you're very idealistic, then uh, that's, that's part of, I guess, why I chose that back then. And peace and conflict studies is very much like international studies. Mm, so you started quite macro, but then you kind of got totally. down a bit more micro later yeah, on. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I finished my master's and I actually went, I don't, I have a master's of international studies and peace and conflict resolution, but I don't know how to do any of this stuff. I don't know anything about people. I don't know how to do mediation. I don't know how to do a consultation process. I don't know how to come in and help people actually work out what they want. And so I just decided to stay local. Okay. Did that mean some more study then? That no. was the master's? Or? Um, 
actually the, I did the master's so I could do mediation. So I did a, it was the, the right. cheapest way to do a mediation qualification. They're about five grand. So, Yikes. yeah, I guess that's a little bit maybe I want, I've never really thought of this before, but maybe that's part of that where that urge comes from for me to make this stuff more accessible to say when I wanted to do this, you know, back, I guess it's you know, quite a while ago, but the only way I could see into this world was some extremely expensive professional qualification. And I just really wanted to work in community, but I couldn't see any other way of doing that as well. Right. Oh, it's good that you had that realisation yeah. really, so early on. Mm, it was good that the government would pay for my student loan, <laughs> you know, briefly. <laughs> well, would give me a student loan, not pay for it. Yeah. Yeah. So um, so you're obviously born in Australia, is that right? I was born in Australia, yeah. yeah. And what brought you to New Zealand then? So I was born in Australia. Um, my parents were living in Vanuatu at the time, and they flew to Brisbane. My mum's from Brisbane. And then flew back to Vanuatu two weeks later. My mum, I don't know, she must have been extremely heavily pregnant. I think it was a week before she gave birth. I don't think you'd be allowed to fly a week before now. Um, And, yeah, we went back to Vanuatu and then moved to Australia three years later. So my dad's from Whanganui. Uh Mum's from Brisbane. And they met in, in New Zealand about, I guess, six years. Oh, about three years, sorry, before they moved to... New Zealand, um, to Vanuatu. Right. Yeah. Okay. So what made you decide to come? Well, this time. Here? Yeah, so I guess I finished my studies. I worked in community mediation for a while in Brisbane. I loved that. Um, but it was also just after a change to a very conservative government in Queensland. And there wasn't much work. I was on a series of these con- short-term contracts where I was like, I love this job. I love being community. Um, where It was the most, you know... <laughs> rewarding job kind of like what I I hope we can have here at some point um, which is just support for those small little community disputes the ones that when I say I do mediation people go oh do you do mediation about fences and (laughs) uh, what about family stuff and um, but I did that for a while and I thought you know what I I kind of want to go overseas again so I went traveling and then lived in Montreal for six months actually which was really lovely um, but it wasn't really going to be a right fit professionally. I kind of connected with lots of different people, um, did some volunteering, um, and then went, oh, it's time to live in New Zealand. It's time <laughs> to come over here. I've got to see all my family. I need to, well, all my aunties and uncles are getting really old. Mm-hmm. Just spend some time with them. And, yeah. So did you go to Whanganui initially? Is that where your family are? No, or? they're mostly up north, actually. Oh, okay. Yeah, I think Dad grew up. He was born there and he lived there for, I think, six or seven years. And then his family moved to, to the Bay of Plenty. Mm-hmm. Um, but most of my aunties and uncles were up in sort of um, Whangarei, Whangaparaua. Right. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And so did... But I, just, well, I did stay with my cousin in Lower right. Heart when I first got to Wellington. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> and, and did you have a sort of um, expectation of Wellington? Did Wellington meet the expectations you had or was it different? Absolutely. But I think... <laughs> You can't just have expectations. You need to meet those expectations with intention. And I think I definitely came to Wellington with, like, the intention of making it home. Mm. And I did. And that's home. I've been here for about four years now. Do you think that your practice would be different if you were somewhere else? Absolutely. Yeah, because the scale, the connections, the opportunities. I think that's one of the things I love about Wellington is that you can just go out 
share an idea with people and they just say, yeah, okay, give it a go. See what happens. And I guess it's taken a while and that's why this has only happened in the last year for me because it's taken a while to really get to that point of realizing that sometimes if you've got an idea, you just need to start it. And in Wellington, there's a lot of people starting small things that then grow, but it's kind of a city of people just following their dreams. Right. And I guess yeah. a lot of those things interconnect, like with the Newtown Community Centre. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. With so many different things, when you put things out. And I mean, Newtown has been so supportive. They were extraordinary. I mean, Erin's someone I've known for maybe a year. And I met down, met with her and Renee in, uh, must have been February or March, came in with all these ideas. I was like, oh, I really want to like provide um, free conflict coaching for people through the CAB. I want to like run some free workshops, want to do all this other stuff. And she's like, that sounds amazing. Um, what about a lecture? Why don't you do a lecture? And I was like, sure, why not? You know, but yeah, they're wonderful. It's such an incredible space. So there could be some more cool stuff down the track. There will be more cool stuff down the track. Excellent. Yeah. I sort of feel like if you had a conflict over a fence, you might think <laughs> that that's a bit, you know, like, oh, I better not make a big deal about that. That doesn't need a mediator or anything. I mean... Do you, what do you think about that? Is it worth getting in somebody else? I guess there's a couple of things to that. So the first thing is, honestly, I wish that we all had the skills to do this ourselves and it's not that complicated. Um, like, But it's there are skills. So to actually be able to step back, to be self-aware, to understand like the dynamics of a conflict and cycles of conflict... Um, in a sense, it's a bit like the awareness that we now have around family violence. I say there's a lot, lot more awareness around, say, cycles of violence and, um, yeah, all of those different things. Um, and conflict, you can apply all these different lenses to understanding it and seeing it in the same way. Of course, family violence is a form of conflict as well. Yeah. Um, but it's, yeah. So in if there's a fencing dispute... I suppose it depends on how bad it's got, right? So at, at my old workplace, we used to get a lot of calls, something like 40% of the calls we got were about fences, wow. right? <laughs> yeah, so you'd get a call from someone saying, hey, look, uh, I remember one, I kid you not, um, this person, they, they called up and they said, hey, look, um, my neighbour just took an axe to the fence, <laughs> like what do you mean they're like yeah yeah they just started chopping into the fence they've they've destroyed my beautiful fence and and I don't know what to do and you know and I said I think from memory we, we talked them through it they ended up having a meeting and um, and sorting it out there was about 15 years of bad blood between the two neighbours and when they'd finally tried to replace this fence which had been falling down for years and getting worse and worse and worse they'd been avoiding each other and avoiding the fence, and the the fence got unsafe, and then she, uh, I think the, the the woman that I was I was who initially contacted us, she, I think she tried to talk to her neighbour, had, I guess not the best response from her neighbour, um, and decided to just do it herself, so she just paid for it, yeah, you know, so just paid for it herself, and um, her neighbour wasn't oh. super happy about that. <laughs> And then, Dear. yeah, you know, things escalated, obviously, for her. There was a lot of emotion in there. And right. for someone to actually take an axe to the fence. Yes. But this stuff happens all the time. We just don't hear about it. 
So it's really great that you're doing workshops because, you know, how do, unless you're going to sit there and put a lot of time aside to read a whole lot of books at the library and train yourself, you know, how can we access in our day-to-day lives that sort of yeah. stuff? So I'm, I'm definitely, exactly. if you do another workshop, I'm definitely coming. Yeah, so... Just for those little day-to-day things. Yeah, yeah. Th- there's actually, um, there's two amazing facilitators who work with me in Reframe, Madeline and Leslie, and um, over the next couple of months, hopefully... Well, it depends on how much time we have because we all, you know, have different our own lives as well as this project. Um, but we're looking at developing a short course around, and again, it'll be free or accessibly priced mm-hmm. um, to just get these conflict skills out into the community and, and then maybe do those at, at, you know, different venues around Wellington. And then if that goes well, take it further um, and just share it because I think this stuff should be shared. I imagine not all conflict is necessarily negative. Like it could be quite a productive thing. I guess that's actually the key key part of the perspective that I work from. And there's a lot of different um, a lot of different methodologies in in this space as there is in every space. And I work from a transformative perspective, um, which basically says we all want connection, but we also want autonomy. And that applies through all social systems. And conflict is simply when a relationship falls apart. So you can, in that sense then, to bring it back together, you can either have a destructive, I guess, destructive falling apart, so fall further and further apart. And when you fall apart, you get dehumanized. You have those behaviors that I'm sure everyone knows Um how that feels when you start to do things that you don't feel like are you that makes sense you act in ways that don't feel human or like what you want to act Um, and you can change that you can act differently and it's about knowing how to and that I guess helicoptering out and self-awareness and all of that stuff trying different avenues yeah 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 And, and a transformative perspective simply says that if you're in conflict you can learn how to change that you can change that, but sometimes you need support to do that as well if you've got so deep in it and so far apart from each other. Right. Yeah. Well, definitely look forward to hearing more from you and Thanks. from Reframe. Yeah. Um, it's great to know that resources out there for people. Thank yeah. you. Yeah, it's, it's been quite a journey so far, so I look forward to, I guess, hearing from people if they're interested in, in anything, any support. Um, it's always... People can always just call up as well mm-hmm. and just have a conversation. So you've got a so, website, I guess? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Reframe.org.nz. Okay, so, great. Yeah. Oh, well, thank you very much for coming in. Thanks, Sadie. Here's a track from uh, the Richter City Rebels. That program was brought to you by Wellington Access Radio. Get your voice heard. Thanks New Zealand On Air for funding the Access Internet Radio Project.